When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode of the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by WorldwideGolfShops.com. Be sure to go out to WorldwideGolfShops.com for all of your equipment, apparel, and accessory needs. They've even got training aids. They've got all the great stuff from all the brands that you hear on our podcast every week. So once again, that is WorldwideGolfShops.com. You're listening to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for in-depth interviews with the biggest names, brands, and personalities in golf. Our mission, to keep you informed and help you enjoy the game even more. And now, the owner and host of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, Adam Fonseca. Welcome back, folks, to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. You know who this is. This is Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can reach us all over social media at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. Hello to our friends over at thehackersparadise.com. Listen to this either on their fantastic member forums or on the THP mobile app. And of course, hello to our good friends over at Cleveland, Srixon, and Zegzio. Certainly hope everyone's doing okay out there, folks. I know things are uh, calming down in a lot of ways and just boosting back up in other ways, depending on uh, which news source you follow. And today, folks, we're going to talk all about golf. We're not going to get into any of the world events that have been going on as we have the last couple of weeks. We're going to talk about three things today that I'm excited about, and I know that you are too. The first, of course, being the restart to the PGA Tour. There's a lot of stuff to talk about there, and I know that we don't touch on professional golf too much here on the show anymore, but I think it was appropriate to do so today with the restart after a whole bunch of weeks. We get to see professional golf again in mass. And then, of course, I'm going to touch on a couple things regarding my personal experiences playing golf as we all kind of continue to get used to the new normal, if that's even a phrase that's appropriate here, where I'm going to talk about my thoughts between, once again, walking and riding. Now, I know that that sounds like an old, tired argument, but I've really had the chance to kind of reconnect with the way that I played golf growing up. And comparing that to the way that I now, or at least most recently, played golf as uh, as an adult. And then just a few thoughts uh, regarding my current club setup, as well as what I've learned from my playing partners and on the THP forums on your opinions versus blades, cavity backs, combo sets, and a little bit more. So that's what's on the agenda for today, folks. I'm sure I'll probably go off in a few different areas as well, as I tend to do. We will be right back after a short break from one of our sponsors, but before we do, I want you to all remember there are two additional podcasts on the THP Podcast Network, including Range Days, where you can go and get in-depth reviews and, and information on new golf clubs, golf equipment, and of course, our friends Dan and Rob over at Off Course. Be sure to listen to both of those. You can find those on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, everywhere, everywhere you find podcasts. Hang tight, folks. We'll be right back. Today's episode is also brought to you by the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. No big hype, no big price, but definitely a big deal. Take advantage of their factory direct model where you cut out the middleman and get the best products shipped to your door direct from the company. They've got a demo program to try out their products before you buy, 
a trade-up program to get these clubs in your hands even quicker, and special financing where you can split your payment into four to make these clubs even more affordable. Go to BenHoganGolf.com to learn more. All right, folks, welcome back. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, we wanted to talk about three topics today, the first of which is the return of the PGA Tour. No fans, no fans, but we've got professional golf uh, for the first time in a full field in a long time. Of course, with the Charles Schwab Challenge over at Colonial Golf Course, a lot of people tuning in. I saw a stat earlier this morning when I woke up. I believe round one was watched by just an obscene amount of people. It was the 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 most viewers uh, from a you know something other than a major championship in a very long time, and uh, that's that's encouraging to hear. You know, obviously we saw a ton of viewership over at uh, Driving Relief, the TaylorMade uh, event that we had a few weeks ago over at Seminole, and then of course the the match two, Tiger Phil. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, that received just the most ridiculous ratings, I believe, uh, more than Super Bowls. I'm going off the top of my head here, folks, but it was good to see the return to the PGA Tour, and there's just so many interesting storylines already. I know that, uh, personally speaking, I don't watch a lot of professional golf anymore. I really don't. I mean, certainly the majors, when they come up, I will, uh, I will more than likely watch every round then. Uh, and, you know, everyday PGA Tour events, I just don't find myself watching them as much. I'd much rather go out and play golf, maybe catch uh, the final round if it's a uh, if it's been a long week and I just want to sit on the couch on a Sunday. But this was something different. You know, I had the chance to kind of tune in a few times, obviously working from home, as many of us are. Uh, I had the chance to tune in, see a couple swings, uh... Let's just get this out of the way right from the start here, folks. Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, this guy, we all knew it. We all knew what he was doing over the uh, the extended break here because of COVID. He was beefing up. He was lifting weights. He was looking strong. He was feeling strong. He was posting videos on social media of him with obscene ball speeds and swing speeds, just swinging out of his shoes. And then he re- he, he arrives at Colonial, and he looks like he, he, he ate a panda. I mean... He, I'm sorry, he look, He looks fat. He definitely does. I mean, I know he's strong. I know he's just, I think one of the bombs that he hit was, I don't know, 320 carry. It was ridiculous. And Colonial, you know, it doesn't have the biggest, widest fairways in the world. And so this guy is just deadly accurate, hasn't lost any of that. And he's just swinging like Rocky Balboa out there. I don't know. Does Rocky golf? I don't know. <laughs> It's been a while since I've seen those movies. But uh, you know what? Hey, I got to hand it to him. You know, as much as heat as he's caught on social media, and let me tell you, some of the pictures that I've seen and photoshops and all that and comments, I mean, he had to know it was coming. And I'm sure he doesn't care. I'm sure it's all just background noise to him. But he put together uh, on his frame just a massive amount of weight. I think I, I, I read a tweet that said he was drinking five to six protein shakes a day to keep his weight up. I just, I don't understand it. I really don't. Clearly it's working, I think. I mean, if his goal was to to do whatever he's doing, I mean, at the time of this recording, uh, it's a Saturday of the week. Um, he's in second place, so he's, he's playing well. Uh, good for him, you know, whatever. Good for him. 
Another person that's playing well this week, which is really uh, good to see, is uh, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is back. Uh, at least it looks like he's back. He had two consecutive rounds of 65, I believe, playing extremely well. He's tied right there with uh, Beefy Bryson in second place behind Harold Varner III, who's also playing very, very strong golf. And it's just great to see these guys get back out there. It really is. I mean, I know that uh, we've talked a lot about on this podcast, at least, about our own personal experiences getting back to play golf, just feeling happy that we can go out and play, whether it be in twosomes, foursomes, extended tee times, whatever. And these guys are playing for a living, of course, and doesn't look like there's weight, there's not too much rust out there among these guys. So that's encouraging to see, and I think it's just great that uh, that sports are back, at least in a limited capacity. I still miss uh, I still miss the other ones. I gotta say, you know, but seeing golf come back at Colonial, a historic golf course, you know, that's just a, a really really fun thing to see. And you know, an interesting side note, by the way. Um, Prior to everything getting locked down, I believe it was in, I think, the beginning of March, uh, a couple buddies of mine and I had met up at a local brewery and uh, Pollyanna Brewing Company. Shout out to you guys. You guys know I love you. Um, We were over there and we were just kind of, you know, it was after work. I think I was off that day for whatever reason. I met these two guys out and we just started talking. And then one of my friends, Joey spoke up and he said, hey, you know, my wife, you know, got she got me this great gift. You know, she, she understands that I needed to go out and, you know, play golf. I hadn't played golf in many months or, you know, however he put it. And she actually bought him plane tickets to, to Texas and said, you know what, just go and play as much golf as you can. Wherever you want to go, we'll cover it, whatever. Just a really cool gift, you know. And he, uh, he's a member of, at a club out here, and he was able to reach out and, long story short, somehow got lined up where we could play Colonial. That's crazy. And so it, that day in the brewery, we all kind of made the decision, you know what, yeah, we're going to book plane tickets to join you, and we're going to go play this golf course. I think the plan was to go play as much as we could uh, however many holes we could. And, uh, yeah, we were all signed up. Now, a couple days later, I realized that I had a conflict at work, and I was really upset that I couldn't go, so I had to actually cancel. But then, of course, we know how the rest of the story goes. Everything got locked down. So, uh, can't help but, but help, uh, can't help but think about my friend Joe. Uh, man, that sucks. <laughs> just gotta say. <laughs> Not being able to go and play Colonial, and and um, I hope that, uh, at least for his sake, there's some opportunity later on to go. And, and, you know, I hope those plane tickets were transferable. I have no idea. I'm sure that they were. Uh, nobody knew what was going on at that point. But the tour is back. People are paying attention to where Tiger Woods' yacht is. <laughs> there are people who were talking about how it was going up the coast, potentially because he was in the field at the RBC uh, Heritage coming up. He's not, as it turns out. I saw a funny tweet from a uh, past podcast guest, um, Chris Cheney, saying, you know, imagine having so much money that you can just send your yacht out for shits and giggles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know, I, I, I think Tiger enjoys doing this stuff. I don't know what he's doing. Nobody knows what he's doing. And it's really none of our business what he's doing. But apparently he's not playing in the RBC uh, in a couple weeks or a week from now. But, man, it's it's good to see these guys back out there. It's good to see Jordan Spieth playing well again. He's got, you know, he's always he's always got that, that putter. He just lives and dies by his putting stroke. There were a couple things out there. I think, what, in his, uh, his opening round, I think he had two four putts, and he still shot 65. I mean, that man is a roller coaster of a of a golfer and uh you know it's it's just love to see him get back in to just the form that he was or even anywhere close to it you know he's he's clearly been surpassed by the old tired narrative of his best friend growing up Justin Thomas who's uh, clearly at least right now a much better player and uh it's it was sad to see you know i think you know with, with Jordan you know obviously his his breakdown at at, at that masters you know, I, I don't think he ever really rebounded from that. There's certainly a mental thing going on there, or at least there was. And now it's great to see that, you know, there's just there's been this reboot. He can come back out. He looks loose. He looks like he's having, a, you know, just a good time playing in his home state. All those things. He's able to uh, kind of shake off that rust, so to speak. So welcome back, PGA Tour. I'll be tuning in as much as I can. I think everyone on Twitter, uh, it's good to see golf Twitter back in full force. People are already complaining about coverage. People are complaining about PGA Tour Live. It's like it's it's just the way things were. It's the way the golf gods intended it. Speaking of golf gods, I know that uh, you all like to hear a little bit more about, you know, just our experiences here playing golf. Uh Walking and riding, you know, the second topic we wanted to get to today, we've talked about this a few times. In my previous episode, I talked about three things that golf probably should remember or, you know, take heed golf uh, from COVID. And one of those things included, of course, pace of play, need to keep things moving. And then single rider carts was another. Playing golf today, a little bit later, uh, with three buddies of mine, and uh, we're all going to have single carts again. We're here in Illinois. We're still at that stage in our reopening process. I believe they call it phase three. And uh, it's going to be fine. You know, it's going to be a nice little, you know, calvary of, of golfers riding through uh, each each fairway, hopefully. But had the opportunity as well to kind of mix in a lot of, you know, either nine hole rounds or I've, I've only walked a couple full 18 rounds. Uh, during this whole break, I guess you could call it. And, you know, I am still torn on which I prefer. You know, leading up to this year, I think I could speak for many of us listening to this, we would always ride, for the most part. I know there's a few of you who are those uh, go-getters, those fitness golfers who want to walk all the time, because it is a really good form of exercise. It really is. I know people joke about that. But uh, you burn a lot of calories, at least I do. And uh, when you walk and, you know, what I really appreciate, because we just walked nine holes uh, two days ago at our uh, local club here. And, you know, it's it's just nice to get out and and reconnect with the way that at least I grew up playing the game. And I think most of us did, too. Um, 
I've said this a couple times on the podcast. I think, you know, if anything, from a golf perspective, what this time has taught me is to not take anything for granted. You know, I know in retrospect, thinking back about all the rounds that I would get upset about and, uh, you know, just throw my clubs back into my cart or my bag on my cart and then just drive to the next ball, probably ignoring the person I'm sitting next to and uh, just fuming, fuming about it and not really having a lot of fun on the course. And then it gets taken away from you, at least briefly. You come back. You're just so happy to be out there. I would have I would have walked with four clubs. I don't care if that was for whatever reason the the restriction that we needed in order to play golf again. Fine, give me a shovel. I mean, I'll go out and I'll play golf with that. And it was just good to reconnect. And so, you know, I was talking to another buddy, and we were just talking about the the differences between riding and walking and how we should continue to mix in a few walking rounds, which I think I'll do. You just, it's a different experience. It really is. I know that sounds silly, but for those of you who are, uh, you know, walkers by preference, who prefer to do that more often, I think you'll agree. I mean, you don't, I, I actually think it's faster, believe it or not. And I know a lot of people have said that, you know, Single rider car. Well, I've said it. I mean, single rider carts allows you to have a similar experience to walking because you're kind of just in your own world if you want to be, and you don't have to worry about going to your other player's ball and all that. But walking alone, you know, that that it's obvious that's the way that the game was intended. I think it really was. Now, a lot of courses, at least in my area, many of the courses are not, you know. They weren't designed specifically with walkers in mind. I mean, even my home course, there's there's some real estate between one green to the next tee box on a few areas of the course, and that, that can be difficult. That adds just additional steps that maybe you don't want to take, especially when you're out of shape like me. <laughs> you want to take as few steps as possible. But but riding with a partner, while it's certainly a, a fun um, social element to the game I know when my wife and I go and play I mean which she's been walking with me which is great to see you know you guys know if you've listened for a long time she's got some some trouble walking every so often and and uh it's been great to see her out there you know pushing a push cart getting out there getting some exercise having fun playing really damn well too actually I was (laughs) I think the last time we played she was the only birdie in the group uh getting my my butt whooped by my my spouse. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, of course. But, you know, even when you're when you're riding with somebody, I think it's a little bit more than just focusing on the game. You know, if you want to go out and you want to actually improve your game, I'm going to say that walking is probably the best thing you can do because you're so zoned in on what you have to do. And you have that time walking from your last shot to your next, thinking about what you're going to do next. You know, that's just the way that the game was intended to be played. I know how corny that sounds, but it really came up and uh, continues to, you know, at least remind me of that fact every time that I do it. So I, I do think this was a, a, like a reboot, like I said earlier, of, of some sort for many of us. I know it has been for me. Being able to just kind of reset your expectations, 
um, reset what you you take for granted, I guess, to kind of have a clean slate. And I know that at least, uh, look, I get it, guys. I get it. I've been fortunate enough to to not experience many of the downsides, the the extremely negative things that have been occurring these last few months. And I'm I'm very fortunate for that, and I and I am very thankful for that, and I I have sympathy, and of course all those things for those that that haven't been able to say the same. And I do know that golf, whatever activity, whether it be golf or something else, is a is an escape from those things. Maybe even listening to this show, listening to me babble on, could be an escape for you. But I do think that as a whole, at least as it relates to this game, it was important to kind of have that reboot. Here in Illinois, we have it every year for the most part. I mean, we only get to play golf really. I mean, to be fair, you could you can golf every month in Illinois. A lot of people do. Uh, you have to kind of brave some snow every so often. I mean, there's the Eskimo Open that takes place every year at Cog Hill. Um, but we have a break and I know other areas of the country, we all say, wow, we would love to be able to play every single day all year long. And I'd be lying if I didn't include myself in that group, but having the chance to kind of stop, look back, reset your expectations. It's really important. And I think it's just another illustration of how this game that we play and we talk about and we complain about, it really is kind of a, uh, a commentary just on life. You know, wow, that got deep. <laughs> why, why did I go down that path? But, you know, one of the other things, you know, in a uh, haphazard segue here, I've also kind of had to reimagine and, and think again about what it means to enjoy the game with the tools that I use. Now, I know uh, I've talked about this uh, topic a few times in past shows. And, you know, whatever people choose to play and put in their golf bag, whether it be 14 clubs, whether it be less than that, hell, whether it be more than that, I think the end goal, I think the end goal is that we just want to have fun. I think that's what it is. You know, I know many of us, a good portion of you, I shouldn't include myself in that, a good portion of you listening to this probably play competitively. Whether it be, you know, on the weekend with friends or actual tournaments. And when you look at how golf equipment, golf accessories, golf products are marketed, they try to place you into certain buckets. And that's really difficult to do. And I'm just constantly reminded of this because one of the buckets that, um, you know, we're, we're led to believe, and hell, we've done it on the show. I mean, I'll be honest here, is only certain player types can play certain pieces of equipment, especially when it comes to your irons, for example. Now, I know this horse has been been beaten dead a long time, uh, but, you know, uh, I'll say again, when I, I like the look of a blade, I really do. I think a lot of people either on the THB forum or listening to the show, you've reached out to me, you said, yeah, I, I do too. I don't like the look of this big chunky piece of metal at the at, you know behind my ball and so something I like to do every year especially this year is to go and just experiment a little bit more 
you know, I've got cavity backs, I've got blades, uh, go ahead and I play them each for a short stretch, just to kind of compare scores. And I got to tell you, first of all, there's really no no significant difference between the two for me, at least, at least in score. And frankly, something that continues to surprise me, and I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but I shoot my best scores when I'm using blades. And I don't know why that is. I know that everything in marketing is supposed to tell me that I will, quote unquote, score better with more forgiving clubs. And yeah, trust me, I, I get a lot of, I get, catch a lot of flack for that. I mean, why, why, you're a six, why are you playing that? You know, you, you could probably be so much better if you play something with more technology behind it. There's no technology in those clubs that you're using right now. I hear all of it, you know, and, and it's not wrong. But when I look at results, and I encourage you all to do this too, I can't, what argument do I have? You know? And so I just continue to go back to something I've said before. Whatever you want to play, go go and play it as long as it doesn't, come at a detriment to you enjoying the game that you want to enjoy you know if 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 it doesn't make any sense to you to play a certain club type you know don't listen to what the marketing says i mean you're going to go and get fit hopefully you're going to get a recommendation from your fitter and then you're going to have that moment where you have to either make the purchase or not and hell you could even have that situation in front of you if you don't get fit if you just walk into a to a store, remember we used to be able to do that, um, and then say, hey, do I want to buy these clubs off the rack or not? So, you know, I just, I keep going back to the benefits of mixing both worlds, having a combo set, you know, longer irons, a little bit more meat behind them, shorter irons, a little bit more feel, I think that makes more most sense. And even cavity back sets try to stick with that, right? They, they, they incorporate that into their design. And so, you know, I don't know the answer here, but I do know, at least for me, what makes the most sense from a feel perspective. And I, you hear people play, uh, play golf, they're, they're, a, they're a feel player. You know, I don't even know what that means. I don't know if people know what that means. If it's a matter of not being mechanical in your swing or whatever versus just going out and freewheeling it, I don't think that exists. I think we all have the... If you got a crappy swing, you're not going to score well. So I think everyone has to be mechanical to some degree. But if it boils down to picking the right tools for the trade, then why not pick the ones that make you, first of all, most confident whether it be from past experience or just general preference. And maybe being honest with yourself and understanding where, is the, where the, there's the most opportunity to improve. Where are your biggest risk points? That's why I think with fitting, and I think good fitters do this. I've had a couple, and I can say a couple fittings, and I don't think every fitter's done this, but I think it's really a risk assessment is what you need to do. Where is your biggest risk? It's not a matter of when you perform your best. And it's really not even a matter of when you perform poorly or your worst. It's somewhere in the middle. Mitigating the risk of a poor score, a poor, you know, a poor swing. We're all going to make bad swings. Which clubs and which makeup 
is going to give you the best opportunity every single time you go out there from a consistency standpoint. And that's why I don't think it makes any sense for fitters to throw out bad shots. We all make bad swings. We can't throw out a bad shot when we're on the course. Many of us do. We might pick a, you know, use a mulligan, whatever, if you're out having fun, which is perfectly fine, by the way, if that's what you want to do with your group. But when it comes to making a purchasing decision, or in my case, a you know, playing decision, what, what do I want to put in my bag? I think it's a matter of just, you know, reducing the risk while still maintaining something that provides confidence or instills confidence in my swing. I don't know. So when you go, if, if you're thinking about getting fit and you're thinking about, all right, well, I, what should I put in my bag? Think of it more of, you know, what is going to give me the biggest opportunity to maintain consistency in a good way versus what's going to help me shoot my best score because nobody knows how you're going to perform that day. But what you can do is at least limit the variance in the tools that you're using. Let me know what you think about that, folks. Go ahead and reach out to us via email, adam at golfunfiltered.com. You can go ahead and find us on social media as well, at Golf Unfiltered. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all those places. We'll be back again next week, folks. we got a couple guests lined up. I know these last couple episodes, it's just been me and you chatting. Uh, but next week we've got uh, Asher Golf is an upcoming, I think a lot of you know the name. Uh, we got them coming on. we got a, uh, Matt Smart, I believe, is uh, coming on to talk a little bit about their brand. And, of course, if you guys have not heard of Fling Golf, it is a uh, interesting take on growing the game as well as getting more people involved from a newbie standpoint. And it has nothing to do with actually hitting a golf club. So be sure to tune in for that in a couple weeks. So thanks as always for tuning in. Don't forget to go check out thehackersparadise.com and all the forums over there, as well as the other podcasts on the podcast network. Thanks as always for tuning in as well. Talk to you soon.